Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This series of messages on the book of Zechariah were recorded in Malaysia a number of years ago. Be sure to get a copy of Kevin's newly released commentaries on the book of Isaiah, the book of Jeremiah and Lamentations, the book of Ezekiel, and the Minor Prophets. Available in paperback and ebook formats from Amazon.com and as immediate PDF downloads from kevinconnor.org forward slash shop. Everybody doing okay? Yeah. I think someone here needs to get saved. (laughs) All right, so on page 10 now, uh, we're going to go to... uh, uh, vision number eight here, the vision of the golden bowl and, and uh, lampstand, candlestick, as it's called, lampstand's probably a better word. So let's go uh, in our uh, Bible, if you can, to Zechariah chapter 4, and I'd like to read the uh, uh, verses here. Uh, and we've got uh, two uh, sort of visions here, vision of the golden bowl or the, or the lampstand, and then the vision of the uh, two olive trees. So we'll see how we go here. Alright, so Zechariah chapter 4, Now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me, as a man who is wakened out of his sleep, and he said to me, What do you see? So I said, I am looking, and there is a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on the top of it, and on the stand uh, stand seven lamps with seven pipes and seven lamps. Two olive trees abide, one uh, one at the right of the bowl and the other at its left. So I answered, spake to the angels who talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? You'll notice all through, this young man is full of questions. (laughs) Then the angel who talked with me answered and said, Do you not know what these these are? And uh, I said, No, my Lord. So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone or the... uh, uh, the headstone, some say, with shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, uh, um, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. Then I answered and said to him, What are these uh, two olive trees at the right uh, of the lampstand and that's left? And I further answered and said to him, What are uh, do you, Can you stop asking questions, Zachariah? <laughs> One of these two olive branches that drip into the receptacles of the two gold pipes from which gold oil drains? Then he answered me and said, Do you not know what these are? Of course I don't. That's why I'm asking the questions. <laughs> In this chapter, you have about six or seven questions. And I said, no, my Lord. So he said, these are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. Now, just uh, go back, um, just one little uh, thing I missed on um, uh, on chapter 3. So just go back to chapter 3 a moment. You might uh, like to add this. Well, uh, we looked at finishing the vision on the, on the branch and the vision on the stone. And on, at the end of the, the uh, verse on the stone, I'll read it again. I just come back to me here. 
Uh, behold, these stone that I've had uh, laid before Joshua upon one stone shall be seven eyes. So seven eyes to the stone. Seven is the number of perfection. When you think of eyes, seven eyes, uh, three words I'd like to put there. Seven eyes are perfection of insight, hindsight, and foresight. Okay, so seven eyes, seven the number of perfection. So this stone is referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. As we know, he is the stone, the stone of some rock of offense. So seven eyes, number of perfection. Eyes speaking of insight, hindsight, foresight. So he sees things in the past, things in the present, things in the future. So perfection of sight. And uh, it corresponds with like what you see in the book of Revelation, the lamb with seven horns. And then the living creatures with eyes before and behind. It's just always speaking of perfection of sight and insight and foresight. And then the last part of the verse in verse 9, I will remove the iniquity of the land in one day. That's actually referring to the day of atonement. From Leviticus chapter 16, because in Leviticus chapter 7, uh, 16, we're told how on that day the sacrifice was slain, and we're told all the sins, all the transgressions, all the iniquities of the house of Israel would be dealt with in that one day. So the uh, Yom Kippur, the Jews call it today, the one day, the great day of atonement, the most important, the most important day in the year. So here, I'll remove the iniquity of the land in that one day. Having the high priest cleansed, then he could move into the operation and the ministry of the Day of Atonement. So that's, uh, I need to say that there. Alright? Now, let's go to the vision that we're looking at. And uh, on your opposite page where you've got some uh, uh, blank page there, you might like to put down some thoughts. Now, there's about, um, let's see, I want to start off this way here. Uh, um, Zechariah 4. Let's, let's note the progression that we're moving to now. Uh, chapter 1 is predominantly about the city, so restoration maybe, because Zechariah is a book of restoration, so restoration book. So Zechariah chapter 1, particularly about the restoration of the city, then number 2, uh, chapter 2, or whichever way it is, the restoration of the temple, and then chapter 3, restoration of the priesthood. Now in chapter 4, we're moving into a holy place scene, the restoration of the golden lampstand. So there's, there's the progression, uh, progression there. So I've just got an old picture of tabernacle here. So if you can just see the picture, restoration of the city, and then the, uh, the temple, then the priest, and now the priest, whose job is to minister the golden lampstand, that's the progression. So chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4, that sort of gives you some uh, sort of progression direction in the, in the prophecy of Zechariah. All right, now, couple of thoughts I want you to know here. In chapter 4, as we begin the chapter, and you might like to put down some of these thoughts here, uh, the angel that talked with me, so this, if we have this interpreting angel, uh, this man, this angel of the Lord, I believe in Christophany. The angel that talked with me came again and waked me as a man that is waking out of his sleep. Okay, so what I'd like to say here, spiritually, uh, uh, Zechariah is born into a state of sleep. And he needs a fresh awakening. So what's being done, uh, literally, historically, uh, he's born into a state of sleep and he needs a fresh awakening. So a good picture there, that uh, God's people need to be awakened, a fresh awakening. And then, number two, the second thing, as he's waking out of his sleep, experiences this awakening, 
he asks the first question, what do you see? Good question to ask, okay, what's your vision, what do you see? Then he goes on to describe the vision, so pressure awakening and uh, what do you see? All right, now, as, we, as he describes the vision, which we've just read, I'd like to put this on the overhead. There's five particular parts, I think there's five particular parts of the vision that I'd like to give you some thoughts on as we look at this tremendous vision. So, number one, first thing, you might like to put this down. So, number one, we want to look at the golden lampstand. We're more familiar with it, but number one has to be interpreted. What did the lampstand mean then? So, observation. What does it say? Interpretation, what does it mean? Application, that's another area. What, what, what lessons can we get out of it? That mean. <clears throat> so number one, the golden lampstand. Number two, the golden bowl. What's the golden bowl speak of? What does it represent? What did it mean to them? See, before we get into application, which I'll do at the end, we need to see observation, interpretation. What did it mean to, to them? Uh, the people who are listening to Zechariah prophesy are describing the vision, what did it mean to them? So number two, and then the third thing uh, I want to pick up is the, uh, the, two, the two olive trees, one on either side of the bowl, uh, different uh, diagrams presented a different way, but I'll uh, say why I've got this way. So the two olive trees, <coughs> pardon me. <coughs> All questions he asks. What's the olive trees? What's this? What's this? What's that? Okay, so the two olive trees, number three. Then number four, or yeah, four and five could be together here. All together it seems that there are nine pipes. So the golden pipes. So what are the seven pipes? And you'll notice the seven pipes are connected from the bowl to the golden uh, lamps. Okay, oh, yeah, that's, that was it. So number four, uh, the, uh, the golden pipes. And then there's two pipes, it seems, uh, depending on your translation, how you read it, but it seems that there's two pipes from the olive trees into the bowl and from the bowl. Olive tree uh, being the source of the supply of oil. And then another thing that's mentioned is, and this would be number five, what are the seven lamps? All right, so five parts of the vision that we need to look at. Number one, the golden lampstand. Number two, golden bowl, number three, uh, the seven golden pipes, uh, number three, the golden, uh, the olive tree, pardon me, and number two, the two olive trees, then number four, the seven pipes, and then number five, the two pipes. Okay, that's, uh, that's what we need to look at in the vision. Now, what I want, want to do here is, uh, is just give us another more picture. Now, the reason I'm doing this is that Zachariah is the... Um, Make sure I have got that right. Yeah, Zechariah is the last Old Testament prophetic book, um, well, just before Malachi. Malachi is the last of the prophets. So there's something in Zechariah that is the consummation of all that's gone before. So that's what I, I want us to look at here. Uh, I did have something here on my notes. So what I want to do in doing this, this is the last mention of the golden lampstand. So if you can sort of... Uh, I'm sorry I'm not a good writer. I'd like, I'd like you to sort of look at the progression that God gives in this whole revelation because Zechariah is the consummation of it as far as the Old Testament is concerned. So up this side, I'd like you to put Old Testament, Old Testament, and then we'll put the cross here, and then later on we'll come 
and see what the New Testament does. So now, in the Old Testament, we have a progressive revelation. We're looking, number one, at the golden lampstand. So, the Old Testament golden lampstand. Okay, now, I'm just going to give you the scriptures here. The first mention of the golden lampstand, and remember, God is the author of the scripture. It's, it's just, the Bible is like God's divine jigsaw puzzle. He gives everybody a part of the puzzle, and it's our job to sort of sort the puzzle out without forcing the parts. So Exodus chapter 25, the first revelation of the golden lampstand, the candlestick, as it says, uh, was given to Moses, and the revelation there is in the tabernacle of Moses as we refer to it. So let's just do this. So in the outer court, we have the uh, bronze altar, and then the bronze labor, the labor of brass, so blood and water. As you come into the holy place, you have the golden lampstand over here, and then opposite that you have the table showbread, and just before the veil you have the golden olive incense, and then in the most holy place you have the Ark of the Covenant and the very Shekinah glory of God. Now their minds are still saturated with that, so in the tabernacle of Moses you have one golden lampstand. And all that, as those of you may have the tabernacle of Moses, the textbook I did on that, tremendous picture there. Think of the ornamentation, the number 66 that's in this ornamentation, uh, which we, we in application apply. 66 books of the Bible, the seven lamps, and uh, the, the three knops here, uh, the foundation of the branches, and the vine. Uh, you are the branches, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the revelation of the Godhead. In the, in the shaft itself, you have number 12. We think of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. There's so much that was in this foundation that's given there. So I dealt with that very fully in Tabernacle of uh, Moses. All right, now the next thing that we see as we move on is in Second Chronicles. So Second Chronicles, and I'll give you the... Uh, verse here, uh, Second Chronicles chapter four, and if I can read my tongues in interpretation, Second Chronicles chapter four, and verse—I can't read it. Anyway, Second Chronicles chapter four. Okay. I'm going to pray for myself somewhere on this. Now, if in the Temple of Solomon, God gives a fuller revelation of everything. So, in the Temple of Solomon. I'm not trying to sell you a book, but I've done this more fully there. You have two great outer courts. So two great outer courts. And then in the, in, the, in the central court, you have the Temple of Solomon. And following pretty much this, except there's additional revelation that God is giving. So we have the great uh, altar of brass for sacrifice. Then we have the great molten sea. And then, as I said yesterday, uh, you have um, in the holy place, you have... Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You have ten tables of showbread, not one. And then you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You have ten golden lampstands. And then, of course, just before you only have one altar of incense. And wherever it's one, there's only one sacrifice for sin, one grace not, one uh, intercessor between one mediator and intercessor between God, man, the man, Christ Jesus. So where's the one? Always pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is predominantly pointing to Christ. This involves the church. And then, of course, there's only ever one Ark of the Covenant. And so the Ark was taken from here into the Tabernacle of uh, David and then into the uh, Temple of Solomon. So here we have the number 10. And uh, we, we assume that the 10 golden lampstands were made according to this pattern. 
And so this had seven lamps on it, and ten, uh, ten golden lampstands with seven lamps, each will equal 70. So we've got this number 70 again. We think of 70 weeks prophecy, the 70 elders. Uh, we just had, you know, God's divine jigsaw puzzle. So, okay, this is under Solomon, and the temple of Solomon is referred to. Now, the next revelation of the, uh, the golden lampstand, also significant in this, and uh, because, you know, we think Western and whatever, they don't. The Bible's not a Western book. The next one we have is found in Daniel chapter 5, which we've looked at this week, Daniel chapter 5, and here we are in Babylon. And so on the night that Babylon fell, all uh, 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 Belshazzar are having a party, and uh, in, the, in his presumptive tribe there, he goes and gets at least the golden lampstand that his father had taken from the temple in Jerusalem, and so they're drinking, and it's over against the golden lampstand that, as we've seen, we have the sign of the man's hand, uh, the unknown writing, the unknown tongue, and then the need of interpretation. And that night, uh, uh, Belshazzar is slain. So last mention, so Babylon, so you see the progression, one lampstand in the tabernacle most, ten in the temple of Solomon, and at least one in the fall of Babylon. Now, we come to this part here, and this is the final mention of the golden lampstand in the Old Testament, Zechariah chapter 4. But here God is giving additional revelation. So we have the lampstand, golden bowl, we haven't seen that before, two olive trees, and then the golden pipes. Alright, so there's a progressive revelation. Now, uh, let's go over the New Testament and finish it off. And here's the progressive revelation. So, this all has to pass through the cross. So, observation was the Bible say, interpretation, what did it mean to them then? Application, what does it mean to us? So, we pass everything through the cross. Alright, now, the first mention that we have of the lampstand is in Revelation chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. And then what John is seeing there, he sees Christ here in the middle of the seven lampstands. So we have one, uh, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's the picture that we have. So seven lampstands. And he interprets this for us now, no mistake, he says the seven lampstands are the seven churches of Asia. So now we never know what the lampstand means back here. I'm going to tell you what I, I believe it means back here. But in the New Testament, the lampstand, it now becomes a revelation of the church. So Revelation chapter 1, 2, and 3. Now let's go over, and I'd like you to look at, uh, uh, look at this scripture here. But let's turn over to Revelation chapter 1, 20. So I'm doing this because it's good hermeneutics and people sometimes say, well, Kevin, where do you get all that from? You're just making it up. So no, I'm not. I've just gone through the Bible on the lampstand. This is what God tells us. Observation. What does the Bible say? What does it mean? See, so we're not making things up as sometimes people might say. Okay, turn over to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1 and uh, verse 20. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 20. And uh, it's Jesus who's talking to John, explaining the mystery. So Revelation chapter 1, 
verse 20. And so he says, uh, uh, The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the messengers of the seven churches. No mistake about this is Jesus interpreting the symbol first. The seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. So no mistake about it, Jesus said the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So in every city there is a golden lampstand and in every city there should be a church and that church should be the light of that city. That's it. Now, let's go over to the final revelation of this thing and we go over to Revelation chapter 11. Everybody doing okay? Revelation chapter 11. And uh, we go down now to say to verse 3. So we put down verse uh, Revelation chapter 11. We'll put it up here just to complete the picture. Revelation verse 11, uh, Revelation chapter 11, verse 3 and 4. Okay. Now, listen to what it says here. Here, this is the consummation of it all. And it links up with Zechariah. So he says, I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy 1260 days clothed in sackcloth. And then listen to the interpretation or the application here. These are the two olive trees. Where did you get that from? John, Zachariah, and the two lampstands. Where did you get that from? Well, he doesn't. <laughs> Standing before the God of the whole earth. Let me say this so, uh, uh, in case I forget here. Uh, in, in heavenly ministry, they are olive trees. In earthly ministry, they are lampstands. Okay, that's the difference. So in heavenly ministry, they are olive trees, source of oil, the anointing tree, the oil tree as it is. And then uh, in earthly ministry, when they come to earth as witnesses, they are witnesses because light, light is the manifestation of burning oil. So in heavenly ministry, two olive trees, but in earthly ministry, uh, they are candlesticks or lampstands because uh, light is the manifestation of burning oil. Okay, so that's a tremendous vision we have. So, all right, now we go back to the Old Testament. And so, as we said here, the progression, restoration of the city, restoration of the temple, restoration of the priesthood, now restoration of the land, the shrine. All right, now this is what I believe back there. is that the lampstand back here in the Old Testament represented the nation of Israel. Because, why do I say that? You say, oh, well, Kevin, it says the church. Okay, put down Acts chapter 7 and verse 38. Acts 7 verse 38. And Israel is spoken of as the church in the wilderness. So the lampstand, a picture of the church, but there was an Old Testament church. And Israel was the Old Testament church. It's like Nellie was extinguished in the Babylonian captivity, but it's not. And so here we have this. So in, uh, the lampstand in the Old Testament is a picture of the Old Testament church because Israel was the light to the nations. It was meant to be. Okay, so called to be God's lampstand and give light to the nations. The only, only nation that had the sacred scriptures, had the prophet, uh, prophetic ministry, and so forth. So the lampstand, a picture of the Old Testament church. It's carried over in the New Testament because it's also a picture of the New Testament church. So everybody's safe there? Ask your question, everybody's safe there? Yes. Alright, number two, the next thing I want us to look at here, number two is the golden bowl. The golden bowl. Alright, now back there, 
the golden bowl. You'll notice that the golden bowl is full of the golden oil. Maybe you'd like to add that thought too. The golden bowl is full of the golden oil. The golden bowl back there represents the Lord. Okay, the Lord. In the New Testament, the golden bowl would represent the Son of Man. See, in the picture we have here, uh, let, let, let's look at this. See, in the Zechariah picture, you see a golden lampstand and a golden bowl. In the New Testament, you see seven lampstands and not the golden bowl, but you see the golden lamp, uh, golden bowl personified, the Lord Jesus Christ. So in the Old Testament, the golden bowl to them would be the Lord, who is the, the source of the holy oil. And see, many times people quote the verse out of this chapter, well, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, and they miss the thing. It's, it's all in connection with this vision of the lampstand of the oil. So the golden bowl is uh, the Lord, and we would say in the New Testament, the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so seen as the gold bowl, and uh, we can say the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ in his pre-incarnate pre days. Uh, and then, all right, the next thing here, the golden bowl, leading up my note here, the golden bowl is the source of all supply of the golden oil to the seven lamps. So the golden bowl is the source of all supply uh, of the golden oil to the golden lamps. Now, if, the, if there's no oil, you can have lamps, but there's no light. So the oil has to be supplied to the lamps here. So uh, as I said before, light is the manifestation of, uh, of, of, uh, uh, of oil. Light is the manifestation of oil. Now, the fullness of the bowl, we can look back there, we can look at the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is the head of the church for the bowl, son of man here. He's the source of the oil. He received the fullness of the spirit. He received John, uh, John 3 verse 34. John 3 34, it says, he received the spirit without measure. Received the spirit without measure. Alright, so representing the Lord Jesus Christ says, receiving the Spirit without measure. And uh, you could just, uh, there's a whole study that you could do on this, say, bringing it over to the New Testament, that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, all his life was governed by the Holy Spirit. He's born of the Spirit, led of the Spirit, he's filled with the Spirit, uh, he cast out demons by the Spirit, healed the sick by the Spirit, he offered himself up on Calvary by the Spirit, he was raised from the dead by the Spirit. So as the golden bowl, he's the source of the supply. The fullness is in him. Uh, so that was John. I heard some mutterings over here. John chapter 3, verse 33, 34, I think it is, that he received the Spirit without measure. All right, so the uh, golden bowl, the Lord Jesus Christ. The oil, we have no doubt about the symbolism of the oil. The oil is the Holy Spirit. Everybody can say amen on that. So the oil is the Holy Spirit. Uh, turn over to a very interesting uh, uh, verse in uh, 1 Samuel for a moment here. 1 Samuel, I think it's chapter 16, something like that maybe. Anybody know of uh, and uh, it's uh, where Samuel was at, uh, where Samuel anointed Saul, uh, anointed uh, David. Pardon me. First uh, Samuel thirteen is it? That's where David was anointed. 
Uh, at 1 Samuel 16, is it? Yeah. And verse 13. Okay. All right, just want you to notice a thought that we often uh, skip over. Yes, so in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13, uh, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from uh, that day forward. You see, here, here's the connection. Oil is the symbol of the Holy Spirit. So when, when Samuel anointed David with the oil, it's like the Holy Spirit said, well, oil is the symbol of my being. So the Holy Spirit worked with the symbol of his own being. That's what I'm saying. So, you know, I believe we should look at these things more. Uh, how many of us ever anoint people with oil when we pray for the sick? Amen. So what do you expect to happen? Is it just sort of, you know, laying empty hands on empty heads? Is it just going through a ceremony anointing people? When I anoint people with oil, I, I'm always thinking of this. That when Samuel anointed David with oil, the Holy Spirit worked with the symbol of his own being. So when the oil was poured on him, the oil came upon him. So the Spirit of the Lord came upon David for that, uh, from that day forward. So I think it's good when we do these things. Otherwise, everything just becomes a ritual. Anoint with oil, water baptism, go down the dry and come up a wet one. Uh, and nothing happens. Laying empty hands on empty heads. See, we've got to get beyond the ceremony of this thing. And see that the Lord works with these things He's put in the church. So when we anoint with oil, keep at the back of your mind, Lord, I'll just anoint with oil, pray the Holy Spirit will come upon this person. So the Holy Spirit works with the symbol of His own being. How many can say amen to that? So, good picture there. So the oil represents the Holy Spirit back there. And the whole heart of that chapter is, not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Alright, now, Number, the, the next thing I want you to look at is the seven pipes, or the, uh, well, let, let's back back to that. Just just uh, go back, oh yeah, the seven pipes, that'll be alright, just looking at my notes here. Seven uh, pipes, they were like the feeding tubes or the channels on conveyors of the supply of the oil from the golden bowl. bowl. You see, if there were no pipes, there's no connection. So the lampstand could look all beautiful, all polished up, made of pure gold, everything like that. But it's not there meant to be an ornament. It has to be receive the supply of the Spirit. What's the first thing that they did uh, over the Middle East? The enemy always attacks the oil mines to stop the oil flowing. Spiritually it happens, the enemy tries to block the pipes. And for those who are a little bit more studious, it's a good study. Say, okay, what are seven pipes? Because the only connection, application now between Christ in heaven and the church, the lambs down on earth, is the seven pipes. So what the devil wants to do, he wants to bust the pipes, he wants to break the pipe, he wants to block the pipes. And what are seven pipes of supply of the oil of the Holy Spirit in our life? So that's, that's just a good study. You can think of prayer. Reading the Bible, assembling in your meetings, communion, cell meeting, whatever. All these things, you can make up your own sermon, all these things can be the supply of the Spirit. I'd like you to turn over to a, a verse uh, in Philippians chapter 1 on this, just playing on this word supply. So the main thing I want to pick up for you is that the pipes were the source of supply. The enemy in our lives, in the life of any church, we try and block the supply. 
Well, I turn to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And uh, you'll have to put old King James on this because some of the new translations sort of uh, mess it up again. Uh, so old King James puts it this way, verse 19. So Philippians chapter 1, verse 19. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Wow, note the connection. Prayer and the supply of the Spirit. Now, let's, be, let's bring it together here. Connect Zechariah chapter 3 and chapter 4. And what was the duty of the high priest? So you start, uh, is everybody seeing some flow in Zechariah? Just a little bit? Everybody seeing that? What was the responsibility of the high priest? The high priest was, morning and evening, he was to trim the lamps, the seven lamps, he was to take away the ashes and any of the burnt out areas, and his job was morning and evening to supply the oil. So that's the picture. So the high priest, now the golden lampstand. So when Jesus gives the parable of the foolish, the wise and foolish virgins, what's the problem? The, the, the foolish do not have enough oil. They trim the lamps, but they're lacking the oil. So the only difference between the wise and foolish virgins was the extra lamp of oil. They all slept, they all slumbered, they all woke up, they all heard the midnight cry, they all trimmed their lamps, but there was only one word that was the difference. It says that the, the, the wise carried oil in their vessels with their lamps. They had an extra supply. That's what I'm talking about. How many think we need an extra supply of the Spirit in these days? So supply. So the high priest, he was to minister morning and evening to the lamp and supply the oil. So here, in this case, the seven pipes of the supply of the oil. All right, that's the picture. So I like old authorized on that. So I know this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So my prayer always, and I'm sure it's yours day by day, Lord, as I give myself to you for this day, you know, I need a fresh supply of the oil of the Holy Spirit. Just take away the ashes, take away anything in my life. You don't want me to give out holy smoke. Church is not meant to smoke. We're supposed to give light. And so, Lord, just the supply of the Spirit. Speaking in tongues, that's another good pipe. Keep the oil flowing. Release of the Spirit. Speaking in tongues day by day. I believe we all should do it. Fill with the Spirit. Just keeps that release of the Spirit. I speak in tongues every day. My wife does. We pray. Seek God. Lord, just may nothing block the pipe. Everybody said amen. amen. All right, then uh, uh, the next one, I gave, uh, I gave you the scripture this morning, but put it down. The seven lamps, the seven lamps, uh, um, Isaiah chapter 11 and verses 1 to 2. The seven lamps, Isaiah uh, chapter 11, verse 1 to 2, I gave it this morning, but just to put it in here with the seven lamps. Uh, let me ask you a question on this. Uh, how, how many have had any teaching on the tabernacle of Moses, particularly on the ornamentation of the golden lampstand? Just, just put your hands up for my information. Cook. Just one or two. Wow. You need to look at that. Okay. Let me say this. Okay. Ask you a question first. How many believe that Jesus had all the gifts of the Spirit? Jesus received 
the fullness of the spirit. Let me explain. Now, because you haven't had this, you're going to have to look at that. In the ornamentation of the lampstand, this is what you find. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. In all the branches, so I am the vine, I'm the sharp, and in the sharp was the number 12. 12 in the ornamentation. You read that in the, 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 uh, the make it all according to the pattern, showed you in the mouth. But in all the branches, we have the number 9. Now, wherever you see the number 9, it has to do with the church. So nine fruit of the Spirit, nine gifts of the Spirit, nine months for the formation of a baby, uh, nine Beatitudes. Nine is always the number involved in the Holy Spirit, okay? But you see, on, on, on the lampstand, there were seven. It was the number seven. So we don't say, I just say this and hope, hope you pick it up. See, in the gifts of the Spirit, Paul says, to one is given by the Spirit a word of wisdom. And to another, a word of knowledge. And to another, faith by the subject. And to another, a word of prophecy. Another, tongues, interpretation. See, it's all fragmentary. But Jesus just did not have a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. Isaiah 11, verse 1 to 2 says, The spirit of knowledge and the spirit of wisdom will be upon him. So he didn't receive the spirit in measure. We do according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So the number nine is impressed in the branches. I am the vine, you the branches, the twelve apostles. Seven is impressed in him because he's perfect. So Jesus never had a hit and miss system like we do because we're not perfect. Well, I'm not. Okay? So, so he received the fullness of the spirit. He had the spirit of wisdom, spirit of knowledge, our perfect faith. The only, only one I could ever work out is when Jesus had to pray for a, a guy twice, the man who was blind. Anybody ever worked that one out? Had Jesus run out of faith? Or was the problem in the man? Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's go back to Zachariah and Alvin. Alright, so now let's go to the olive trees. Who, what did it mean to them? Who were the olive trees then? I personally believe that the olive trees were... Zerubbabel and Joshua. They would be the two olive trees then because you see, Zechariah and Haggai are prophesying to these guys. Zerubbabel laid the foundation of the temple. You're going to finish it. Finish it. That's it. So be encouraged. And to Joshua, you're going to be anointed. You're going to be crowned. You cleanse your garments. So they would be like the two. And they are connected to the Lord. Who is the source? And so Zechariah said, Not by might nor by power. Zerubbabel, you will finish it. And uh, Joshua, you will uh, complete your ministry and move in the temple of the Lord. That's the picture. But when you get to Revelation now, passing it through the cross, the two olive trees become the two witnesses, which we've said in Revelation, which I believe are uh, personally are Moses and Elijah. All right, so just two all the way through. Now, go back to Zechariah just for a few more thoughts here. Well, time just goes on. And uh, I want you to notice some of the names that you have here. And uh, it goes all the way through. So, well, Zechariah chapter 4. Yes, yeah, so uh, he asks, okay, the two olive branches, which through the two golden pipes emptied the golden oil out of the south. So the pipe is the connection. The seven pipes are the connection to the lamps. 
no connection, no supply. Two pipes here with the olive trees. It's the supply of the spirit. And also, altogether, you have seven and plus, uh, plus two, nine pipes. So you have that number nine again. Now, he says here, uh, he said, uh, don't you know what these be? He said, no, these are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. Uh, those of you who have marital efforts, you might see this. Uh, different designations. The two sons of oil. The two sons of oil. Two, two anointed ones. And I like to put down the connection we did with Daniel uh, the other day, but bring it together here. And uh, you see, it's what I call the two by two principle. And when uh, Jesus sent out the 12, he sent them out two by two. When he sent out the 70, he sent them out two by two. We were sharing this last night, but I never believe it's good for one ministry to be on his own. It's always in the mouth of two or three witnesses will every word be established. Turn over to Luke chapter, uh, Luke chapter 10. Here, Luke chapter 10. Now, how many think this is a great vision that uh, uh, Zachariah has been given? Fresh awakening. What do you see? This is my vision. Golden lampstand. Turn over to Luke. I think it is Luke. And just this, uh, what I call the principle uh, of two by two, Luke chapter 10, I think it is. Yeah, Luke chapter 10 and just verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place whither he, where he himself was about to go or whither he himself would come. So think of this, every city had two witnesses. So Jesus sent them out two by two into every city and place where he himself was about to come. So he is the third witness, because in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every, every word be established. So every city had two witnesses, and they all pointed to the coming of the Lord. So that's the picture you have in Revelation, two witnesses pointing to the coming of the Lord. So we have different designations, two lampstands, Two trees, two sons of oil, two olive trees. And in Daniel chapter 8 and Daniel 12, we looked at that yesterday, the two saints, one saint talking to another saint, and uh, probably the two witnesses. So uh, uh, all through the life of Jesus, we see two. Uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration, two men, Moses and Elijah. In the, uh, in the resurrection, two men were seen in the tomb, saying he's risen in the resurrection. In the ascension, two men stood beside them in shining power. All the way through, you have two witnesses. So ultimately, the ultimate fulfillment, so there was a local historical fulfillment back there, ultimate fulfillment is found in Revelation. So, so as I said, truth is truth in every generation. So all the way through the Bible, God's always followed the principle of the two. Moses and Aaron, Elijah and Elisha, uh, Joshua and Caleb, the 12 apostles sent out two by two. The 72 by two. Always. Apostles and prophets working together. I never believe it's good for one ministry to be on, its own, on his own, but always to have uh, another one. So the checks and balances. All right, and then it says, In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. Okay, now, just start before we take our next break here. All right, so I think I've covered enough on the vision of the golden balls. Go to page 10 in your notes here. So vision of the golden bowl, golden bowl in the tabernacle, Christ in the midst of seven golden candlesticks. 
golden uh, candlestick, the fall of Babylon, Christ in ministry in relation to the church typically. So it's uh, the Lord Jesus Christ standing in the midst of his church as our great high priest, ministering, uh, trimming the lamps and the ashes and so forth. So if you want to see the same thing another way, what I'll put up there, it, uh, it would be like this. So the vision to Moses, Aaron in his garments, of glory and beauty is the high priest ministering before the lampstand and then uh, coming way down to the vision to Zechariah Joshua in his garments and cleansed from the filthy garments now high priest ministering the golden lampstand vision to John uh, Christ in the midst of the seven lampstand Christ clothed in his garments of glory and beauty as their great high priest ministering the local churches let me see it's consistent all the way through. That's the uh, tremendous picture we have there. All right, now just before we uh, take our break, or let's see. See if we've lost uh, got any, any loose ends here. Um, yes, the two, the two pipes I, I would recommend that they are the supply to Zerubbabel and to Joshua because the heart of that chapter is this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. So it's, uh, Joshua the high priest has been fixed up. Now the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Look, it's not by your might, it's not by your power, not by might of armies or, or man's power, but it's by my spirit to the Lord. So the pro prophecy, though we quote it so much, not by might nor, uh, not by might nor by power, says the Lord, uh, is specifically given to Zerubbabel. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. So proper interpretation would be back there. That was a personal word given to Zerubbabel. Go to verse 7. Uh, go to verse 7 of chapter 4. Um, Who are you, O great mountain? Now, a mountain in Scripture is a type of a king or a kingdom. And uh, I have to check this one out, but where do I read this? Uh, somewhere that uh, uh, some expositors say that the great mountain was uh, Darius II or somewhere there, that one of the... Uh, 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 kings of Medo-Persia stopped the building. Even though the decree had been given, there had been so much opposition in, uh, up in Jerusalem that they eventually sent letters and said, they're building the bad and rebellious city, they're setting up the temple, and they're just uh, it's an insurrection. And so one of the uh, kings stopped the building, stopped the whole thing for a number of years. You'll find that in Nehemiah and Ezra, then another king came along and issued another decree to confirm the previous decree and said, no, we gave them permission to do it. And uh, so some experts say the great mountain was this uh, uh, king of Medo-Persia that stopped the building and God said, okay, who are you? Who do you think you are, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you'll just be, under, you'll be leveled out, you'll become a plane, and he will bring forth the headstone crying, Grace, grace to. In other words, he would finish the building. Uh, so some say it was the removal of that key. So that's a, uh, 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 I believe, a possible thought. Okay, so the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house because the building, the temple building, was stopped and hindered. And so he laid the foundation. His hands are going to finish it. You'll notice the prophecy particularly concerns Zerubbabel. Not by might nor by power. You've laid the foundation. Your hands are going to finish it and you'll know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. Don't despise the day of small things. Rejoice. You'll see the plummet in the hand just as there was the measuring line for the city. There'll be the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel. You'll notice how many times the word is Zerubbabel in this chapter. And uh, with those seven, what seven? 
The seven eyes in the stone of the previous chapter, seven eyes, uh, uh, they, and then he interprets that they are the eyes of the Lord, which run to and fro throughout the whole earth. So we think of the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself perfect on behalf of those who show himself strong, on behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. All right, so we have that word within there. Okay, I think that's uh, all we need to cover on that chapter. So, um, yeah, okay, let's take our break. We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching. Visit kevinconnor.org for more information.